Perfect. Hey, thanks for joining me this evening. Wherever you're uh, tuning in from, man, I'd love to know where you're watching from around the world or locally or internationally. Uh, gives me a good idea. Man, we got a cool show today. It's, man, this is something that's, man, this gets gets me in the gut. It gets my goat. It gets me going. And I think it's really going to resonate with you. And what I'm going to talk about today is transformational coaching versus transactional coaching. And in this broadcast, I'm going to share with you the two types of coaching, okay? And there's a vast difference between the two and how you can determine as an athlete if you are on the correct path to success with the right coach. And I'm going to throw a little, little different twist at it for you as well, coming from more of a athlete's perspective, okay? That's some really cool insights. So if you've never if we've never met before, I'm Sean Humphreys. I'm a high performance coach and I specialize in changing the performance of individuals, whether you're a highly skilled athlete or you're on your way to being one or you just want to improve your performance, you're in the right place. Okay. If you don't mind, give me a thumbs up. Let me know you're you can hear me. Hey, show me a little love. Let me know where you're tuning in from. Also, Hey, I love to hear your questions because I'll go in and, and check the rebroadcast on our YouTube channel, and it's actually being broadcasted live on uh, YouTube right now. So you YouTubers that are checking it out, what's happening? All right, man, let's dive into this. So when we look at the two types of coaching, transformational versus transactional, transformational Transformational coaching, or transactional coaching, excuse me, transactional coaching focuses solely on outcome and meeting the needs of the coaches, the staff, or the organization. And every sequence is about the outcome. So, for example, the sequence, was it a failure or was it successful? Um, how many numbers did you score? What did you win by? Um, it's all about outcome, okay? Now, I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but when you look at, because there's a lot of, there's a lot of, probably a lot of successful transactional coaches out there, but when you look at the transformational coaching, they use their platform, okay? They teach you the X's and O's, but more importantly, they teach you the Y's and they help young people grow into being responsible and productive adults in this world. And these coaches usually leave a lasting legacy behind. Okay, Transformational coaching is 100% about the steps of performing and developing the athletes and becoming someone they aspire to and a plan to reach their goals. And it's not so much about the outcome but the steps. And you know, one of the big things that I've learned in my life as a coach is that you have to become before you can attain. And that is pure transformational. So you have to transform yourself into becoming someone that you haven't been. So that gives you the opportunity to attain your goals. And so I want to share with you 
a story. And when I say this comes from a perspective, from an, purely from an athletic or athlete's perspective, I want to share the story with you. It's pretty unique. It's pretty touching. And um, I'm pretty excited about it, to say the least. So in, I found this on um, BET, uh, uh, the network, and it's an interview with Kobe Bryant. And it's when he was basically, the story's kind of about his rookie season in the NBA. And he's being interviewed by this young lady, Jamel, who just did an outstanding job. But the questions that were asked are incredible. And I want to share them with you because this is going to give you a pure, the purest insight to what a transformational athlete looks like. But more importantly, hearing it from them. Okay, And I'm just going to take you through the interview and kind of paint the picture for you. Um, and it's it's truly incredible. So, and when Kobe ended, ended his career, okay, and does anyone remember how many points he had his last game that he scored? And if you do, just give me a, give me a shout out if you, if you remember it. But he scored 60 points. And it was a storybook ending. And it was just a kind of the icing on the cake for his entire career from the time he was 18 coming into the NBA. And his entire career was a transformation process that allowed him to retire as one of the absolute greatest players of the game. So in this interview... Jamel asked him a series of questions. So in the beginning of his career, his transition from high school to the pros, he didn't have instant NBA success his rookie year. And, and Jamel asked him, said, so okay, how did you deal with not having success your rookie year? And he, Kobe, honestly, he said, look, I really didn't pay much attention to it. And it wasn't until years later that I realized that people actually thought I sucked my NBA year or my rookie year. And as I was going through the year, I was focused on being one of the all-time best and becoming one of the all-time best. I didn't hear a thing. I didn't pay any attention. I had blinders on. And matter of fact, I really didn't care what anyone thought because I was focused on becoming the best. Okay. So in his rookie year, in 1996, it um, if you think about it, you know what was what what wasn't going on in 1996 that really allowed him to stay focused and be committed and not be distracted. There was no social media. So you could say it was slightly easier for him to manage the environmental imprints, but living in LA alone is an environmental imprint. And then managing all of that and all those expectations that come from the organization and all that, he, he, had, to, he had to have a solid plan to do that. So 
in his rookie year, fast forward it to the playoffs, okay? And he's in the playoffs and is against the Utah Jazz. And this game was in Utah, and it's worked itself down into the fourth quarter, okay? The score's tied, and there's 11 seconds in the game, all right? Kobe takes the ball across midcourt. As the clock's working down, he works himself into three-point range, and he fires the shot, and he airballs, and he misses it by five feet, okay? They go into overtime, okay? So now we're, now we're in overtime, all right? There's a, few there's a couple transitions. Lakers come down the floor. There's two passes. Then to Kobe, he's on the perimeter, shoots it again, air ball. Misses it by five feet again. So now it's the second air ball in a row in this game. Now they're in overtime. So they transition again to the other end of the floor and then back. And then now they come down three passes, then to Kobe. He's at the perimeter, shoots again, air ball, misses it by a big margin. Now he's got three air balls in a row. And if you guys have seen this, you guys know exactly what I'm talking about, okay? Then, again, another transition. They come down the floor, couple passes, Kobe again, shoots another air ball. It's his fourth air ball in a row. And he misses it, like, by five feet. And the crowd's just, like, going nuts. So now you've got, now the game is, it's, it's, the game is still tied, or actually down by a couple, and now the seconds are ticking away. The next transition down the floor, John Stockton's on him, he crosses midcourt, he gets open, he catches the pass on the perimeter, shoots it again for his fifth, fifth air ball in a row and misses it by a mile, game over, Utah wins. That's Kobe's NBA rookie year, okay? And Jamel's got a chance to ask questions. So she says, I want to ask you another question about that experience right there. So when you were airballing these three-pointers against Utah, weren't you aware that you were kind of really sucking at this point? And wasn't, a, wasn't this a big disappointment? And Kobe's answered, what I was thinking is, I'm thinking the damn things are going in and that I should have made all of these shots. I wasn't thinking anything else but performing and trying to put the ball in the hoop. But then it was over, he said, then I asked myself, why weren't they going in? Why, why, did, they, why did they end up like it did? And so I, he said, I was able to think tactically as opposed to emotionally about the outcome. Because I had to focus on solutions, not the outcome, to get the answers. I had to focus on solutions, not the outcome, to get solutions or to get the answers. Highly transformational. He said, you see, when I was in high school, I was accustomed to playing 35 games a year max. In an entire season, I played 35 games in high school max. 
in the NBA, that was my 125th game of the season among grown men, and I was 18 years old. Kobe said, my legs were not ready, and they gave out on me. And that's what I realized. He said, that's what happened. And he goes, I knew I wasn't nervous. I embraced the pressure because pressure's good for you, and pressure's a great thing. I needed more endurance, my legs needed to get stronger, I put the solutions in place, and I went to work. He goes, this allowed me to think tactically, that allowed me to train strategically, and I went about it in a very systematic process, and I got my legs in shape, and I got in shape. So Jamel asked him, said, so what advice what's the best advice that you would give to young athletes? And Kobe said, I think the best thing a young player can do is ask why. So when a situation happens and there needs to be solutions, he's asking, the athlete's asking why. So for, he's, Kobe said, so like for me, why did my legs give out and learn to be solution-based and not problem-based. And I focused on the solutions to the problem and not focusing on the problem. He goes, that's the biggest thing that I can give young athletes. And, and I agree. And I think why is the most important piece. And as we work with young athletes, we're all, the, I, we talk about this all the time, is that, you know, like with Kobe here, Kobe had all the skills in the world, but his knowledge acquisition was unbelievable. You know, he got the 10,000 plus reps in his skill acquisition, but he got the 10,000 plus reps in his knowledge acquisition as a young athlete. That's why he, he excelled so well, because the knowledge piece allowed him to put solutions in place for everything that he was doing. It was focused on the performance piece, focused on solutions, running the steps of performing. And nothing was based about based on outcome. Absolutely nothing. So Jamel asked a couple other questions, which these are really interesting and I want to share with you. So she asked, says Kobe, and, and a lot of people get asked this question, right? Do you love to win or do you hate to lose? And we've seen these questions asked a lot. I've even asked them to a lot of the great athletes and the great coaches. And you're always anxious to, to hear what their answers are. And, and so I was really hanging on the edge when Kobe was, when he was doing this interview and I'm watching and she said, which one are you? And this is fantastic in the context of outcome or solutions, right? Transaction versus transformational. Do you love to win or do you hate to lose? Now that may not make sense to you, but wait till I tell you Kobe's answer, okay? Kobe answered, it's neither of them. He says, I play to figure out solutions and I play to learn. That's it. He said, if you play with fear or failure, or if you play with the will, if you play with fear or failure, okay, fear, fear to fail, or if you play with the will to win, 
that supersedes the fear of failure, he goes, it's a weakness either way. When you tilt towards one side of it or either, you're defining the outcome. It's the outcome of the win or the fear that you might lose or why you might not win. He said, you're tilted that way and when you know that, your, your competition's gonna know that and they're gonna beat you. He said, it's a, it's a weakness showing a sign of weakness either way. And I've never heard it explained like that in my life and it made complete sense because it's an outcome and you're tilted towards it one way or another. He said, if you play with the sense, I want to win, I want to win, then you have the fear, then, then you have the fear of what happens if you don't? Because then all of a sudden your mindset shifts towards the outcome. We know immediately the second that you start shifting towards outcome, outcome of the play, outcome of the quarter, outcome of the game, uh, outcome of the shot, performance starts to drop. The second you start thinking about the outcome of a hole, when you're playing a hole, performance starts to drop. The outcome of the shot, you start worried about, oh, well, I don't want to miss it here, or, man, I hope I don't hit it here performance starts to teeter and go this direction. But if you find, he said, he goes, again, he goes, if you find a common ground in the middle or in the center that's not tilted towards each one of those and you're focused on getting better, he goes, it doesn't matter and you're not going to be phased by either. And I love that because it doesn't matter and you're not going to be phased by either. I find that I, I, I just that resonates so well because it has nothing to do with outcome. He said this, is, this enables you to stay on pace and connected to your steps of performing well. I love that. I love that saying because it if you're not tilted towards winning or losing, it enables you to stay on pace and connected to your steps of performing well. And that's what, all, that's what performance is all about, is replicating the steps of performing and not feel anything other than what's in front of you. And let me repeat that again. This enables you to stay on pace and connected to your steps of performing well and not feel anything other than what's in front of you. What's in front of you? The next steps, the next strategy. This allows you to be dead center balanced. I, I think it was one of the key things that allowed him to be such a superstar. And then next question Jamel asked said, a lot of people in the world are generally afraid of failure. Okay. How did you, Kobe, one of these people, not, let me, let me rephrase it, how did you become one of these people that is not afraid of failure? You, you're going to like, you're going to love this. Kobe says, it doesn't exist. Failure doesn't exist. He's like, what the hell does it mean? He goes, seriously, what does it mean? He goes, it doesn't have any meaning at all. 
He goes, it's a complete figment of your imagination. Failure is. And I agree 100%. It's, it's what you think. And it doesn't exist. It, it, it doesn't. He goes, and he gave a good example. He said, if you fail on Monday, okay, the only way it's a failure on Monday is if you decide not to progress from that. If you fail on Monday, it's only a failure if you decide not to progress from that. Because that's why failure is non-existent. Because if I fail today, I'm going to learn something from the situation and I'm going to try again on Tuesday or even Wednesday. I love that. I mean, it's interesting to hear this interview come from him because if I fail today, I'm going to learn something from that situation and I'm going to try, try again on Tuesday or even Wednesday. Doesn't matter what day it is. That's so transformational, it's insane. So Jamel asked another question. said, if you finished your career, okay, with the Lakers, without an NBA title, you wouldn't look at that as failure? Kobe said, I would have looked at it as being extremely disappointed because I had a dream and goals I wanted to accomplish. And if I don't accomplish these goals, I got to ask myself why. Is, you know, from my position of why I didn't accomplish them. Was it, you know, and he gave some examples. He said, was it poor leadership? Was it failure uh, of me communicating with my teammates that didn't set them up for success in training and in games? Was it a lack of preparation? These would be all the reasons why I did or didn't win or don't win. He goes, those would be the key reasons. So if that's the case, he goes, I have to analyze it. As I move, as I move and evolve post-season or post-basketball or even in business, these same weaknesses are going to reveal themselves again and again. Unless I do something about them to make the change, they're going to keep revealing themselves over and over again. How profound is that? And because we have to look at it, you know, who has to change? Well, we do as athletes. And I, I, I made that, I started making that change 20-something years ago as a coach. And when my good buddy, Coach Parcell, said, look, he goes, you owe it to your athletes to give them the opportunity to win. And he goes, you got to figure it out. He said, but the first thing is you need to understand why they win. And he goes, you need to understand why they lose. He goes, once you start understanding that, you're going to, have, you're going to be able to help your athletes. And I'll be the first to tell you, man, I didn't even know. But I got after that. And so I think this is just a fantastic interview. And um, if you reach out, I can send you the link that, where you can watch the interview, which is great. I want to share this other story with you because it really resonates from almost like this, but it's really on the golf piece. Uh, one of our students 
Um, she's a, a junior in high school and a top, a top student academically. And she's about an, she was about an 80 shooter, shot in the set, broke 80 every once in a while, shot 78, 79, 80, she never won. And she's been in our onboarding program for about six months now, right? And if you know anything about our onboarding program, it's Olympic training and they follow all these steps, everything just defined, measured in time. And these athletes are just having incredible success because of the system. And so she was playing in a tournament this past weekend. We started preparing for this event weeks in advance, right? Preloading the golf course, building the strategies, mapping everything, and she's rehearsing it, preloading it, and playing the entire round every single night in her mind exactly the way that she wants to do it. She wants, she's transforming herself into becoming. So we set the goals, we set the performance goals, we set the position goals, and she goes out and new personal best, shoots 71. Blows everything out of the water. And she called me. She goes, Coach, I just shot 71. It's my personal best, best ever. And I'm on the leaderboard. And I said, so tell me about your round. Tell me what you did. Tell me what you learned. Tell me what solutions you need. If you need any, tell me what you did great. And we just reinforced all of those things, her steps and performing. We just went through all of that stuff. And I said, let me ask you something. I said, you mentioned that uh, leaderboard, right? She goes, yeah, yeah, I'm on the leaderboard. And I said, that leaderboard doesn't exist. That's a figment of your imagination. I said, that leaderboard is only for the people watching the event that don't play golf so they can see who's in the event and, and what score people shot. And by the way, the score that you shot is a figment of your imagination because the score doesn't matter. Because you don't have control over where you finish or what you scored that day. What you have control of are your steps of performing. And you did those splendid today. You were incredible at running your steps of performing. That's what you have control of. That's tangible. The other stuff, what you make on a whole, it's a figment of your imagination because it really doesn't matter. It's how well are you performing your steps. And she's like, oh my gosh, coach, that's a crazy way of looking at it. But she said, it's, it's actually real, isn't it? I said, yeah, it's real. I said, the things that's real is what are the things that you have control of. And so she goes, so what do I do for tomorrow? And I said, we're going to do the same thing that we did the last few days. We're going to preload the round again. You're going to rehearse every shot. You're going to build a strategy for every hole. Then you're going to come back and you're going to play every hole, running every six steps of performing. And it's going to take you about two hours to go through the entire round, and you're going to rehearse it exactly the way that you want to play it. And I said, let me know when you finish. Just shoot me a text or give me a call and let me know how that preloading went. She went through it, sent me a text. Coach, I just shot a perfect round of golf. She goes, I shot even par again. I'm like, I love it. Go have fun. Focus on your steps. Call me tomorrow when you're done. So she finished up the round. She called me. Coach, I shot 73 today, and I won by seven shots. Not only did she set a second personal best, but I, but I told her, I said, 
I said, Manny, I said, the 71's incredible. I said, but you know what's out in what's more than more than incredible or in outstanding? I said, is the second round 73. And she's like, why, coach? Why is that? And I said, here's the reason why. I said, because when when athletes shoot that first round and that's a personal best, you're thinking that there's going to be a self-image correction, right? That the number is going to sky up because of the self-image is not like them to do that. They haven't grown their self-image. They haven't become and transformed that self-image into becoming someone that they haven't been. And I said, you did that. You grew your self-image. And you shot 73 the second day. And I said, that's the amount that your self-image is now going to correct. And she's like, holy cow, coach. She goes, I had no idea that's what the self-image does. She goes, I didn't even know my self-image was growing. I said, you don't. You only know what it does to you in a very stressful situation. It's either like you to do it or it's not like you to do it. In this situation, because of all the training and all the imprinting, and you growing your self-image and growing your skill set and growing the knowledge piece in this whole transformational process, you've become, now you are attaining. And she's like, wow, so that's how all this works. I said, that's how all this works. I said, it's just a transformational process. So I just wanted to share that with you. And, you know, to give you some insights tonight of really what the transformational coaching is all about and how it is the is is leading athletes into areas and spaces that they've never been before it's funny is because olympic training is about athletes breaking the barriers that's what olympic training is that's why they break gold that's why they break all the world records and they win gold medals and because that's the mindset and they train to do that. And that's what EPS is all about. It's about transforming athletes into doing things that they've never done before. And just, just FYI, if you'd like to be a part of our private client group, we've just now opened up our uh, collegiate onboarding program. We now have spaces. You've probably seen the advertisement on Facebook and I'm telling you the conversations that we're having with these coaches and these parents are incredible. I absolutely love it. And if you would like to have a discovery call, whether it's it's uh, your son or your daughter, or it might be your grandson or your granddaughter, or you may have an athlete that needs some help, I'd be more than happy to have a discovery call with you. You can give me a call on my, my personal line. It's 972-793-7255. Or you can catch me on my email. It's Sean at SeanHumphreys.com. We've also got our um, college golf camps, our, our training camps that we're doing uh, here in, in uh, North Palm Beach. Oh my gosh, they're incredible. That, that gives you an incredible kickstart. It's a two-day program. Those are available on my uh, website under the training aspect. I have enjoyed put. I hope you've enjoyed this this evening as much as I've enjoyed putting it together for you. I love talking this stuff. Give me your questions. I'd love to field them. Check it out on the rebroadcast. And if I can help you in any way, let's spread EPS. Pass this along to somebody that you know because we all need all the help we can get. I've enjoyed having you join me this evening 
and I will see you next Wednesday. Have a great week. I'll talk to you soon.